0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast, all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one does not. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, Youth Services Manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, Youth Services Specialist. I'm waiting for it. That's it. You always have something to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving it there. <laughs> Right I you know which one I am. The young adults. I, yeah. Sure.
0: <laughs> by anyway. process of
2: elimination.
0: Yeah. I just finished reading "The Final Gambit" by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. <laughs> yeah. How do you? What do you think? How do you feel? Um, I liked it. It's the third book of the Inheritance Game series. And I um, what I'll say is that I like the way it ended. And if you don't want to continue on with the next book, The Hawthorne Brothers, I think this would leave you in an okay place to do so. This is for you, Sarah, because I know you have all the books. And
1: you need to read them. Okay. I don't have the fourth one. I mean, I have the first three. It's not even out yeah. yet. So. Yeah. Well, I have one that I'm not going to talk about this time because I'm just barely getting into it, but I'm reading The Grimrose Girls by Laura Pohl. Boarding school, murder. I like the cover. So I'll talk more about that next time because okay. I really don't have enough to say about it this time. I will say the cover is very intriguing. Yeah. I like it a lot.
0: There's fairy tale curses. Excellent. Yeah. What about you, Patty? Do you have a book to talk about? I'm stumped thinking her. not because her. <laughs> her face is I'm <laughs> like, wait, right
2: what? Now. Books? I've never heard of them.
1: <laughs> what? Um, Are you currently reading anything that's not for the podcast episode?
2: I was going through my head going, is there anything I can talk about that I'm currently reading that I'm not going to be talking about at a later date? And I actually don't think, I I think everything I am currently reading are books that we are going to be talking about. Hmm.
0: Well, speaking of books we're going to be talking about, this time around it was my turn to pick and I did something a little different. We read the Marvel Rebels and Renegades series by Mackenzie Lee. I read the first title, Loki, Where Mischief Lies. Sarah read Gamora and Nebula, Sisters in Arms. And Patty read The Winter Soldier Cold Front. I chose this series to go along with an event we'll be holding at our Norcross branch actually happening this Saturday called Marvelous March where we'll be celebrating the Marvel Universe. So come join us if you love Marvel. We'll be at the Norcross branch this Saturday, March 18th, anytime from 12 to 4.
1: Before we get into it, I want to assess your Marvel fandom, like fanship. Okay. Whatever that word is. So I, I'm just asking, like, were you a Marvel fan? Are you a Marvel fan? Oh, in what capacity, like reading the books, reading the comics, watching the shows, watching the movies? I'm strictly a, mostly,
0: I would just say a movie fan. I haven't read a lot of the comics. I am a all things Marvel fan. I love the movies.
2: I like the TV shows. And I also read the comics.
0: I guess I grew up also watching, like, the cartoons. And some of those cartoons are good. Yeah. Like, the
2: 80s X-Men, 90s, 80s, 90s, yeah. yeah. Those are fun. And, like, I definitely have um, certain characters I read more than others. Like, I tend to read less of the X-Men than I do the Avengers characters and kind of those sorts of heroes. It's just, man, the X-Men, that, those is huge and complicated and very very weird.
0: I would say I probably also prefer the Avengers and the Avenger like side characters. Okay, yeah, makes sense. What about you, Sarah?
1: I I am mostly just a TV and movie fan. Um I have read some comics but it's been like when I was a kid, so I wouldn't really count that as and and the way comics work, it seems it's very hard to find the beginning of the story. You're always like dropped in the middle of something, so it's kind of hard to just jump in. But so, I have read the Guardians of the Galaxy comics a little bit. That's how I ended up where I ended up. Um, so when I
2: when I first got into the comics, it was because of the movies. Like I was definitely that person that, which is I assume what they want. Um, yeah, <laughs> but. I was, my friend and I were looking, we really liked the movies and I think there were like three movies out at that time. I don't know. It was before the Avengers came out, actually before Captain America. And so we were like, okay, we want to read these comics. And then we're like, oh oh my God, but where where do we even start? What is happening? And we found, I said, our pathway was a guy, a writer named Brian Michael Bendis. And he wrote The Avengers for years. And he actually worked on a run that stayed consistently numbered for over years. So we were able to get volume one and just read it continuously through like volume 12 or something like that. And once we read that, we figured out how all the other character books tied in and like we kind of figured out how it worked but like that get finding that one author and that one entry point with a consistent story that went across several years was super helpful if we hadn't had that it would have been very difficult to get in
1: okay so let's talk about these marvelous books
0: so i thought maybe we could go around and start by talking about each of our books and then maybe try to discuss what we think of the series as a whole Um, i can start with loki since it's the first book and let me start by reading the publisher's description an epic tale across the realms a deadly power that spans millennia a story of struggle and betrayal this adventure is told through the patchwork past of marvel's most misunderstood mischief maker of all time loki trickster god of asgard brother before the days of going toe-to-toe with the Avengers, a younger Loki is desperate to prove himself heroic and capable. While it seems everyone around him suspects him of inevitable villainy and depravity, except for Amora, Asgard's resident sorceress in training, um, she feels like a kindred spirit, someone who values magic and knowledge, who might even see the best in him. But when Loki and Amora cause the destruction of one of Asgard's most prized possessions, Amora is banished to Earth, where her powers will slowly and excruciatingly fade to nothing. Without the only person who ever looked at his magic as a gift instead of a threat, Loki slips further into the anguish and the shadow of his universally adored brother, Thor. When Asgard magic is detected in relation to a string of mysterious murders on Earth, Odin sends Loki to investigate. As he descends upon the 19th century London, Loki embarks on a journey that leads him to more than just a murder suspect, putting him on a path to discover the source of his power and who he's meant to be. Okay. I actually enjoyed this. I liked the introduction to the character, Amora. I liked seeing the beginnings of S.H.I.E.L.D. through the Sharp Society. And I also liked the historical setting of the book, um, where he's sent to 19th century England. And I'm kind of a sucker for that. So a lot of historical England, that kind of thing, it's going to draw me in. But I listened to this one, and I thought it made for a good listen. Um, there were bits of humor thrown in, which kind of rounded out the story's darker notes. Um, And throughout the story, you see Loki struggle with his choices between what he wants to do, what he thinks his father wants, and then ultimately knowing what the right thing to do is. But given that it is historical and we ultimately know how Loki turns out, so I, I can't really say the ending is a big surprise with what he decides to do and especially where the romance and the two different love interests are concerned. But I think another important thing to note about this one is the author wrote Loki as genderqueer and pansexual, which has been canon since Original Sin, which came out in uh, 2014. And I read an interview with the author from The Beat, and they asked why uh, Mackenzie Lee thought it was important to write Loki this way. And I'm gonna read what she said here. I think queer undertones are intrinsic to Loki and his magic. Being a shapeshifter already makes him fluid and as far back as versions of him in the Norse myths, we see Loki manipulating his gender and taking a variety of partners. It would have felt disingenuous to portray him as anything else. And while we've come a long way with representation in comics, we still have a long way to go. As for the direct references on the page, like many people, I'm tired of queer rep being only subtext in media. We need to bring identity onto the page. And then also uh, to go along with that, there was a quote I really liked in the book. I know I'm like direct reading everything to you here today on the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the characters in the book, which is um, a love interest possibly for Loki, um, is having a conversation with Loki, and so um, so Loki says, "On Asgard, we don't have a limited, no, we don't have such a limited view of sex or love." For that matter, there are no rules about who can be with whom. Certainly, no one is arrested for it. Theo stared at him in the pale glow of the fire. He looked as though he had caught a glimpse of something rare and precious, a wildflower opening its petals between a parted jungle curtain. Do you mean that? There was nothing Loki could say in the face of such backward justice. Why waste a cell? Why waste your time trying to punish someone for something that wasn't a crime? Uh, The other quote from that same page for Loki, is when he's talking about his preferences between men and women, because Theo asks. And he says, I feel equally comfortable as either. And so Theo then asks, I don't mean that. Not all of us can change our gender at will. And Loki says, I don't change my gender. I exist as both. Hmm. I just thought that was like a really good quote. But given that it takes place in 19th century London, things... Are not like that for Theo. And considering I've never heard of him, I'm pretty sure things don't work out between him and Loki. (laughs) I was going to say, you can probably guess, now that I've said it was a love interest, where that's going. I'm just Um, guessing. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But Sarah, do you want to talk about your book? Sure. I got Gamora and Nebula, Sisters in Arms. And here is the description from the jacket. Gamora arrives on Torn Dune, a once lush planet that has been strip-mined for the power source beneath its surface, with a mission. Collect the heart of the planet. She doesn't know who sent her, why they want it, or even what the heart of a planet looks like. But as the daughter and right hand of Thanos, and one of the galaxy's most legendary warriors, her job is not to ask questions. Her job is to do what she's told, no matter the cost. What she doesn't know is that her sister, Nebula, is in hot pursuit. Nebula has followed Gamora to torn Dune in hopes of claiming the planet's heart first and shaming her sister as vengeance for the part she played in Nebula losing her arm. While Gamora falls in with a group of miners attempting to overthrow the tyrannical mining corporation that controls their lives, Nebula allies herself with the Universal Church of Truth, whose missionaries wait on every street corner to recruit more followers and tithes for the matriarch. Both sisters hope their alliance will give them access to one of the massive diggers capable of drilling to the center of the planet. But the closer they get to the heart of the planet and to each other, the closer they get to uncovering the truth of what brought them there and the role they may unknowingly be playing in a twisted competition with galactic consequences. A competition they can never win unless they learn to trust each other. I love these characters. And um, there's a lot I like about this book. First of all, it's very um, female-centric. Not only are your two main characters women, but almost all of the side characters in this are also women. There's maybe two or three male characters at most. And so that's really cool to see, especially in sci-fi. I would like their relationship. Also, because uh, Nebula has just lost her arm, this is, if you're familiar with the movies, you know she's like mostly made up of pieces by the time the movies start, but this is like the first piece that she's lost. So she's struggling with that. And so um, it's showing somebody who's not in perfect health or whatever, how they can be. So it's not ableist like we have most in, in most of our hero superhero stories. So there's that going on which I appreciate. Um, overall this book the I run an interview where Mackenzie Lee um, says that she wrote this kind of with a western theme in mind and so there's a lot of as you may tell from the description things about mining towns so if you like reading about words like rig and vent and cable, and canister and gear shift and mechanical <laughs> those things like are happy words for you. Then you will like this book. For me, it was a lot of like a, the setting was like dirty, dusty, mechanical things, which did not really capture my imagination in the same way that some other alien worlds that I have read do. But um, that might be a personal thing to me. Is that it? I don't know what else to say. But so, Patty. What about you? What book did you read? So I
2: read The Winter Soldier, Cold Front. And I'm going to read the publisher's description. 1954, The Winter Soldier is the Soviet Union's greatest weapon, assigned the most dangerous covert missions from the USSR's secret military branch and guided by a handler who knows him better than he knows himself. He has only one purpose, to obey orders. But he he wasn't... But he wasn't always the winter soldier. 1941. As World War II begins, 16-year-old Bucky Barnes is determined to enlist in the U.S. Army, if only the local commander will stop getting in his way. When Bucky's offered an enrollment in a training program with the British Special Operations Executive, the U.K.'s Secret Service, he leaps at the chance to become a hero. But Bucky has hardly touched down in London when he finds himself running from a mysterious assassin and accompanied by an English chess champion fond of red lipstick and double crosses. She's in possession of a secret every side is desperate to get their hands on. If only they knew what it was. Decades later, the Winter Soldier struggles to solve the same mystery Bucky is just beginning to uncover. As their missions intersect across time, their lives collide too in a way that neither of them could have expected and that will change the course of their respective wars. New York Times bestselling author Mackenzie Lee explores the youth of one of Marvel's most compelling characters, James Buchanan Bucky Barnes, and the enemy soldier he is forced to become. I want to say, I I really like the writing of this book. This is a very interesting story. And I really like that. I almost wish it wasn't Bucky and the Winter Soldier. Because this is one of my favorite characters in in Marvel is Bucky Barnes. Only I am interested. What interests me in particular about him is, for those of you who don't know or aren't aware, <laughs> in in 1941, uh, in the 40s during World War II, Bucky becomes friends with Captain America and they serve together and they have all these adventures and then Bucky falls off a train and then is discovered by Russians and they take him and they turn him into a brainwashed Soviet assassin named the Winter Soldier. And it's not until way later, like modern day times, that he runs into Steve Rogers again and regains his memory of who he was and what interests me about his character is that time period. Like, what happens after? Him dealing with the ramifications of all the things he's done and, like, what he's forgotten and all of that stuff. That's super interesting to me. And I also like him as Bucky, like, during the war. The time when he is the Winter Soldier, to me, is is really very... It's, it's very sad. It's a really sad story. And this book is really interesting and it's a a great mystery. It's like super interesting and it's heartbreaking because you know where it's going. Um, It's it's split. Um, So the story alternates between 1941 when he is Bucky Barnes and he's on this adventure and 1954 when he is known as Vronsky. He refers to himself as V. And in the 1954 parts, they're looking for something uh, that Bucky helped protect in the 1941s one. And so, like, the whole time you're trying to figure out what this is. And, like, and you find out through the Bucky chapters that it is something that erases memories. And you just, you know where this is going. And the whole time when he is the winter soldier he's slowly beginning to remember things and like he knows that he's missing parts of his life and he knows that there are things and he's getting these memories and he's remembering things and like and then he runs into someone who recognizes him and like freaks out and he's like i had you know who i am and of course he is shot and killed before he can answer him and and so like It's one of those things where I'm like, this is great. But all of the tension and everything that, you know, in a spy novel, you should be really, like, it should be very tense. You don't know if they're going to live. You don't know if they're going to die. You don't know if it's going to work. You know. You know what's going to happen. You know that he's going to, you know, you know Bucky's going to live. And you ultimately know what happens to Bucky because he ends up being the Winter Soldier. And you also know the Winter Soldier isn't going to escape. He's not going to, to regain his memory and get away. He's going to be put right back under and kept under for years. And so it's just kind of like, it was a good book and it's well-written, but it was really depressing to me. And I also feel like it took away some of the tension. Like I almost wish this had been like a standalone spy novel about someone who wasn't, like if it wasn't tied into Marvel, I think it would have been a better book because I wouldn't have known the ending already.
1: I think that was a problem sort of with all of these books. yeah, like, that was something I thought we could talk about as the series as a whole. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think that's something that you get tr- it's a problem when you get locked into writing
0: for a pre-existing character.
1: Pre-existing character and world.
2: Yeah. And like I said, it's a it's a good story. Like th- she's a extremely good writer and yeah. like you said I really liked there's it's funny. Like, it's, it's a sad story and stuff, but, like, the characters are funny. And and so I really enjoyed all the character interactions. It just made it even sadder.
0: So we've both talked about humor in our stories, Sarah. Did you find humor in the Gamora Nebula story? Yeah,
1: there's a little bit. Of course, they're, you know, they're back and forth. If you've seen the movies, they right. have that kind of uh, witty banter. And so they still have that in the book. It's still present. So, yeah. But I mean, I agree it's um, because she's writing almost like a prequel to some of the things you've seen in the movies. You like this whole book is about, are these sisters going to make amends and trust each other? And you kind of know they're not because when you see them again, (laughs) they're at odds. So yeah, I, that does take away a little bit of it. You're just wondering like how that's going to unfold, I guess. Now, I did read an interview that she said it was easier for her to write these characters. I don't know about Winter Soldier, but easier for her to write these two than Loki, because Loki has so much more written about him, back, of course, to Norse mythology. So that's a little bit more constraining. Right.
2: I do like that in the Winter Soldier book, she went with the full comic characterization, Because in the comics, Bucky's origins are different than the movie origins. For those of you who just know the movie origins, um, Bucky and Steve grew up as best friends, and they were best friends and all that. And in this, he doesn't know Steve. He did not know who Captain America is. Yeah, I know. When you were talking about that, I was
0: like, interesting. (laughs) So
2: in the comics, he was... um, an orphan that was raised on an army base who was, who was living on an army base and he gets involved and, and recruited and he, he eventually does meet Captain America and become good friends with Steve and that's the story she went with like he's 16, his parents are dead and his father's best friend has adopted him so he lives on this army base and all he wants to do is be a soldier. like he just wants to join the army and his his very smart <laughs> older father figure is like, don't you're gonna get yourself killed i don't want you to go to war like <laughs> there are better things to do and he's like no that's what i want to do um what i do think it does there is a captain america cameo in this book it's super that i really liked it was cute how they how they first meet because he doesn't know who captain america nobody knows captain america steve rogers and he meets his soldier and they have this conversation and he's like the soldier is like you should uh look out for a phone call from from these people and he's like what i you know are they going to recruit me and he's like yeah i think they might and he's like what's your name and he's like steve rogers and he just walks off <laughs> and so like i like that she went with the the comic background for for bucky which is a little bit different but um yeah it's uh she definitely knows her stuff she nailed the characterization she did a great job with that um it felt right in line with with every other, the Bucky part at least. I had, like I said, there aren't really any comics about Winter Soldier as Winter Soldier, which is interesting because in the comics, I can talk forever about this. So I'm, please tell me to shut up if I have to.
1: <laughs> I'm giving you a
2: countdown. So in the comics, they introduced Bucky. He was like the kid sidekick, in in like the the, the original comics way back in the day he was the kid sidekick the robin you know right and he died they killed him he was attached to a missile <laughs> they were they're were trying to take out this missile he's got he's got attached to it and he like got like off into the air and blown up steve managed to get off and he didn't and he died and he stayed dead. There was like a long running joke in Marvel. Who are the characters who are never gonna come back? And it was um, Spider-Man's uncle Ben and Bucky Barnes. Those are the two people who are permanently dead. And then this guy named Ed Brubaker started writing this comic and he brought Bucky Barnes back. He, he created the character of the Winter Soldier and brought him back. And they went through this whole run of Steve trying to get Bucky's memories back and that's sort of what got turned into the movies that bit of it so like things got retconned and all that stuff so it was like one of those things so now the only character who's permanently dead is uncle ben for now uh, for now just wait yeah. just wait until they need to bring him back for something you know who knows i'm sure he's not permanently nobody's permanently dead in
1: comics um well yeah i mean that's I mean, one of the kind of interesting things about where Marvel is going with all the multiverse and all that stuff, you really... I mean, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. And if you didn't like something, we can rewrite that. That was a different universe. We're in this universe. And if somebody's dead, that was in that universe. Now they're in this universe. So the movies are really only limited by the ability to get the actors to come back (laughs) and play that same part. Mm -hmm. So... I joke with my friends, I was like, you know, I
2: really feel like comic books and soap operas, they have way more in common than fans
1: of either one want to admit. oh yeah you go far enough down the story people forget what was what came ahead so you can do whatever you want
2: and i've also had conversations where i'm like well you know it was during that time period when tony stark was on the run and he was trying to give himself brain damage because he had this file in his head that only he had and it had all the superheroes special identities and and norman osborne was after it and the only way he could keep norman osborne from getting it was to give himself brain damage but every time he damaged his brain he got stupider made it harder to give himself brain damage. And I was like, yeah, this is an actual plot of a comic. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that, that happened. There was that time that Tony Stark was running around the world trying to give himself brain damage.
1: <laughs> Apparently, there's a whole run where Thor gets turned into a frog and just becomes like... Frog Thor for a long time. Yep. There's that. Do whatever you want. I don't know much about this. And I know (laughs) when I was
0: talking about Amora, I said an introduction to Amora, the character, but that was an introduction to me. Oh. Because I mean I I do realize Amora has existed for quite a long time (laughs) in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Made up by Mackenzie
2: Lee. Yeah. Yeah. I did think, like I said, this is an interesting exploration of a character at a time period when there hasn't been a lot written about him. Like so I think that was kinda cool. And I liked him. Like I liked Vronsky. I thought it was a really interesting look at this character. I just was incredibly sad because i
0: I wanted him to. I wanted yeah. him to escape because you know. And yeah, I was kind of sad with Loki because you
1: knew what kind of decision he was going to make. Yeah, yeah. I like these two characters, so it was also sad to know that they really weren't going to work it out. But they're but they're opening their eyes for the first time to what. Mm-hmm. Maybe Thanos is about. Also, hatred of Thanos confirmed by reading this book. <laughs> <laughs> like you weren't sure? I wasn't sure.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I will be curious if they're doing any more. And I do think, What did you say the whole series was called? Like overall? Rebels and
0: Renegades.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. That explains that. Yeah. why she is chosen. So,
0: I mean, I liked that this series was kind of about like the anti-heroes. Yeah. Well, was it like the...
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's an interview quote again that says, I hope these books expand ideas about who belongs in this universe and who can be the heroes of it. So I think that's, I don't know if you had anything like that in yours, but the fact that this is women in the sci-fi and in Western and there's also like, um, you know, Nebula is technically like disabled and things like that. So there's that going on, which is great. And you've got you know, queer representation in your book, Catherine, about Loki, so it kind of, it it is sort of expanding what heroes are, because for me, growing up, heroes were mostly white straight men. Mine is a white, S- straight-ish man. He does
2: think Steve has very pretty eyes, and he falls for him very quickly, like, but it. He's like and he does compare him to the girl that he's in love with in this book, which is a weird choice. I was like, Okay, Bucky, you're being weird about Steve. But Bucky's <laughs> always weird about Steve. Um I mean you could, if you really wanted to stretch it, you could say Bucky Pine well, the winter soldier is is disabled representation since he is missing an arm but he does have this mechanical special um, arm
1: i would say he has like mental he does like and that is it's
2: interesting like there's a moment in the book kind of towards the end when he is um as Vronsky is talking to a woman that doesn't know his whole story and she's russian she's she's like she wants to give him some pain meds and she's like but i need to know what you're on and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "What are you? What are you using?" And he's like, "I'm. What are you talking about?" And she's like, she points to his elbow where he's got all these marks from, like, like he's like druggy, like he shoots up and stuff, because he's got all these older scars. And he's like, "I don't. I don't remember that." And he's like, and he's like, "Well, where else would?" Where else would these guys be? And he has her check, and she's like, It's not like that. Like, you wouldn't forget that you were druggy. Like, you might freak, like, and he that's like starting to realize that, Oh my god, there's yeah. something
1: wrong with me. I mean, he's <laughs> definitely got trauma. Oh, yes. so I would say he's dealing with that. Um, Doesn't have it all together like maybe some other heroes have in the past.
2: <laughs> I, I don't know if any of Marvel's heroes
1: have it all together. All of together. them have at least something <laughs> some of them that have they some have trauma to deal with, but that. That's what makes them good characters. Because you so.
2: know who would really make some money as a superhero psychiatrist.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs>
1: Super shrink.
0: Yes. Oh. So are there any books you would recommend someone read if they really liked these? The only things I was thinking of is maybe some of the other Marvel novelizations like the Black Widow series by Margaret Stoll or the Black Panther Shuri uh, series by, by Nick Stone. Stone. I would say it's the especially for Winter Soldier. If you like the
2: Winter Soldier book, I I would definitely check out the Black Widow stuff by Margaret Stoll. I like that a little bit more because I I think it's um it's it's that same Russian spy sort of feeling, but it's a little less depressing. <laughs> right. Um. Also, I say check out the comic books. I was gonna say, um, mm. if you're interested in the Winter Soldier, if you like this book the series by look up the winter soldier actually no it's called captain america and it's by ed brubaker and if you look up all of his he's another one that did a run of captain america that like starts with a volume one and goes through and tells a complete story and you can actually figure out what to read it's just captain america by ed brubaker That introduces the concept of the Winter Soldier and bringing him back, and it gets you familiar with a lot of these, the characters, um, Steve and Sharon, who is his girlfriend, and Bucky and Natasha and their relationship and how that all works. And so that's a good one to read. If If you're interested in more about Bucky Barnes, that would be the comic I would check out.
1: I would say if you like novels about superheroes, then I would recommend checking out um, the Renegades series by Marissa Meyer. I talked about the first one of these that I read on the podcast many, many episodes ago, but there are three. It's a trilogy. So Renegades, Arch Enemies, and Supernova about heroes.
2: Yeah. And I would say if you want more about Loki, um, a good place to start in the comics would be um, either the Young Avengers, the run that uh, Carrie and Gillian did, which has a young Loki in it, or you could—that uh, would be the best one. I really like that that run of him and that tie. that brings you into some other Loki stuff. The current, the current Loki,
1: or okay. just go back and read those original Norse myths. There's a good collection of those by Neil Gaiman. Norse mythology, it's just called. And it's good. Uh, I've listened to that audio, and that's a nice way to pass your time on a car ride. <laughs> Does here's he a, read it? I believe so. Oh, I, I, I would listen to that man read I anything. I am not swear to that, <laughs> but I, it's, it's good, entertaining. Okay.
2: Excellent. Yeah, I definitely think these are great jumping off points. If you're looking to get into more Marvel stuff, these are a nice, a nice entryway.
0: Well, Patty, I think it's your turn to tell us what we're reading next time. Yes, next time we are going to read a book all about
2: magic. I like it already. Uh, so for our Magical March, I have picked the book Rust in the Root by Justina Ireland. Um I, I really like Justina Ireland as an author. She wrote Dread Nation, which we have talked about on this podcast, but we really like. And this is another book that looks at history and race and power in America and through a magic lens. It's set in 1937. And in this world, there has been a something called The, the Great Rust. And magic exists... So the great rust is a catastrophic event that blighted the arcane force called the dynamis, din, dynamism I man dynamism. dynamism this is one of these books that when you start reading it you're going to hit the like the weird words used to describe things and it takes a little bit to get into because you're like what is
0: what is happening in this world? I suggest world? listening to it because they'll say it
2: for you. Yeah, that is that is very useful. I still find you have to be like,
0: wait, what's going on in this but world? But then, of course, there are words in this book, I will say I started listening to it, that uh, sound similar. So if you're not paying 100% attention, <laughs> you get confused very quickly. So,
2: but, so the point is... Um, the main character is this girl named Laura Ann Langston, and she is um, a mage from Pennsylvania. And she is going to go um, earn her mage, her, ma- her mage's license and become something more important than a root worker. And she gets sent out by the Bureau of Arcanes Conservation Corps, a branch of the U.S. government dedicated to preparing the dynamism. And so Mechomancy can thrive. Like I said, there's a lot of terms that are going to be thrown out there. And so anyway, there she sent on a mission with this Skylark and it is a story about what happens. Um, so there's a whole that ma- the way magic works and a whole magic system to learn. And that's why I kind of picked it. Cause it's, it's like delving into a new and different magic system. And it's also going to deal with like race and class and power in America. And I think, I really liked the way she handled that in Dread Nation. And so I'm super looking forward to seeing how she handles it in a little bit um,
1: later time period, in a different world. All right, magic here we come.
2: Yes. This has been another episode of Spill Lit by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Patty. I'm Catherine. And I'm Sarah. And we want you to join us next time as we spill the tea on Rust and the Root.